eternal God, by the birth of Jesus Christ, you gave yourself to the world. Grant that being born in our hearts, he may save us from all our sins and restore within us the image and likeness of our creator, to whom be everlasting praise and glory, world without end. Amen. Today we'll begin with the reading of a scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You can follow along in the Pew Bible if you'd like on page 959. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had been had given birth to the son. And he called his name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Christians around this time of the year celebrate Joseph. And it's probably the only time of the year that we give much thought to Joseph. And so let's give him his due for a moment here. I want you to consider for a minute that Joseph is more than just a kindly stepfather to Jesus. He's even a type of Christ himself. That is to say, he's like Jesus. He's showing us something about Jesus even before Jesus is born. What if I told you that Mary and Joseph were the first Christians ever? That's kind of a wild idea, but it's true if you think about it. They were the first to believe that their son is the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the Christ. And Joseph, being a just man, wanted to do right by Mary, but it didn't make any sense to him, obviously, that he should be blamed for her misconduct. He wasn't angry with her. There doesn't seem to be any indication of that. He may have been confused. He may have thought that, you know, he knew her better than that and was surprised by this strange thing. I mean, what could be more scandalous than a young woman who's betrothed and brought up in a good family suddenly claiming that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit? That's pretty scandalous. And understandably, Joseph, who was probably a little older than her, thought that uh, perhaps it would be a good idea to get some distance between himself and this young woman. Because for him to proceed with being betrothed to her and then to marry her would imply that he was complicit 
and that somehow he had acted in a shameful way as well. And so this would have taken her scandal and put it upon him. I told you he was a type of Jesus. Are you seeing it yet? Here's a guy who, for love of his bride, for love of his God, decides to go ahead and take upon himself the scandal that wasn't his, that he wasn't guilty of. Joseph hadn't done anything to deserve the scandal, the accusation, the whispering and the rumors and the terrible thing. Could you imagine had such a thing happened in this day and age with our social media and our so-called journalism? Can you imagine the things that people would have said about Joseph and Mary, especially after Jesus rose to prominence and became famous, the things they would have dug up about him, you know, kind of like when you decide to run for office and your opponent finds out all sorts of things and digs it up and then makes it sound really ugly. Can you, can you conceive of that? Do you remember that last week as we were talking, I mentioned to you that this whole Christmas story brings us closer in the Christian year than we usually get to the whole unseen realm of heaven, the whole unseen side of this cosmic drama that we're a part of and that is playing out all around us, whether we see it or not. And so can you imagine then that in heaven and in the realms unseen by us, there is a sort of social media and uh, broadcast scandal? The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said that uh, Jesus would uh, be for us a incomprehensible form of scandal, something that uh, he used the word scandal on. It's a, it's a word that is difficult for us to translate specifically, but it means that it's more than just scandalous. It's so scandalous that it's a stepping, uh, a tripping point. It's a place that you can't get past without skinning your knee. You know, at the very least, if you embrace the scandal that is associated with Jesus, you're going to get hurt by it. You're going to have to embrace something that the world can't wrap its mind around. That's the uh, definition of the scandal on. And so it starts even as Jesus's birth announcement is made by Gabriel, that he's going to be something and someone that you can't deal with without getting wounded in the process. Does this sound familiar to you? If you have read the Old Testament, do you remember that when Jacob wrestled with God to get the blessing that would make the people called Israel a great chosen people throughout the history that we read in the Old Testament. And as a result of wrestling with God, Jacob came away wounded. You see, this theme exists throughout Scripture that if you take God at his word, if you wrestle with God and really take seriously what God intends to do, it's going to leave you wounded. It's going to leave you scandalized. You're going to find yourself in a position at some point in your life where you don't make sense to the people around you. And they'll question your judgment. They might even question your sanity. 
And it's right about then that you should realize that you're closer to Christ than you've ever been. Because as he is the scandalon, he is the one way of salvation that is certain and true. Last week I quoted from a uh, Christian music artist that is a particular favorite of mine, Michael Card, who is, in addition to being a great songwriter and musician, he's also a wonderful theologian. He's a brilliant Bible scholar. And he wrote a song called Scandalon, and this is one of the verses that I'd like to share with you. He will be the truth that will offend them all the stone that makes men stumble and the rock that makes them fall. And many will be broken so that he can make them whole and many will be crushed and lose their very soul. People who knew Jesus, even when he was in the womb, couldn't get around God's absurd plan. How could it be that a baby born illicit, sort of under difficult circumstances, under questionable circumstances, would then go and be born in a food trough, laid in a food trough after his birth, and then raised in a family that's surrounded by this scandal for the rest of their days, you know, because it's small town life and some things just never go away. I'm sure that if you've lived in Jasper all your life, you know what I'm talking about. Some things just never seem to go away. And then they disappear for a couple of years and go to Egypt and then come back. Who does that? Seriously. Who from a little town in place like Nazareth would just suddenly pick up and go to a foreign country for a few years? What kind of people do that? Who are these strangers that come to visit the house? People from far-flung places, strange and exotic people. This life, this Jesus, his whole existence is surrounded by scandal and questions and doubts about his character. So why should we be surprised? when we find ourselves like Joseph, scandalized by our faith in Christ? Why should we be surprised that we have to make difficult decisions at times that put us at odds with people who have a more worldly view of things, people who reason these things out and find us coming up short, perhaps even looking a little foolish or even crazy? It shouldn't surprise us at all. In fact, it should serve as a reminder to us that we're probably living closer to the truth than ever before because some people just shake their heads at us and don't understand how we can be so foolish, how we can be so naive. And here's the truth. That same one is coming again. That same person who was born in scandal, who was living his entire youth and childhood in, in scandal, the one who would enter into his ministry life surrounded by scandal, surrounded by people that were considered disreputable and unclean, that he would die a scandalous death. You know, in, in the tradition of the Jewish people, in the law of Moses, there was nothing, nothing more scandalous than being nailed to a tree to die slowly in agony. 
And without being crude and rude, I need you to understand that the crucifixion was a death that was meant to be scandalous. And so the truth about crucifixion is, is that they were usually crucified naked and they were usually crucified close enough to the ground that the wild animals could come and have their way with them, even if they weren't dead yet. It was meant to be a long, painful, scandalous death. And without going into that any further, let me just remind you then that we should not be surprised that everything about Jesus, everything we celebrate is scandalous, illogical, irrational, completely the opposite of what would make sense. The wise men went to find him in the king's palace and he wasn't there. The people who listened to him preach and teach couldn't understand why he didn't rise up and take control of everything with all that power from heaven and all the things that he could do to persuade people. Everything about him was scandalous and his death was the most scandalous thing at all. And here's what he did, the same thing Joseph did. For the love of his God, for the love of his bride, that's you and me, sisters and brothers. He embraced shame that wasn't his to bear. He endured a scandal that he didn't deserve. And he did it so that in the end, we would be welcome in his father's house, welcome at his father's table, welcome at the bridal feast when he comes again to retrieve us, his beloved. Scandal, unfortunately, is the way of salvation. And if you can figure out how to follow Jesus and not be at odds with people who have better sense than you and who are better placed in society than you and who are more respected for their command of the things of the flesh than you, if you can figure out how to do that, let me know. But what I know is, is the Jesus I follow makes me seem strange to people, makes me say and do things that people find scandalous. But I'm willing to embrace a little bit of scandal if Joseph is willing to embrace a lot and if my Lord is willing to embrace horrific scandal for the sake of the Father's love and the marriage supper of the Lamb that we look forward to one day. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts, I pray, for your namesake and for your glory. Amen.